0: Hey, welcome to The Text Lab. My name is Michael. My name is David. We're a couple of pastors around here at Vintage Grace. And on The Text Lab, what we do is a deep dive into the text to help you prep for life groups this week. Our goal is to help you to make disciples who make disciples. So whether you're leading a life group or just trying to do some deep diving on your own, we hope the text lab helps you to have meaningful conversations about what God has said in his word. This week is John 2, 12 25. Let's get into
1: it. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and they stayed there for a few days. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house consume me so the jews said to him what sign do you show us for doing these things jesus answered them destroy this temple and in three days i will raise it up the jews then said it has taken 46 years to build this temple and will you raise it up in three days but he was speaking about the temple of his body when therefore he was raised from the dead his disciples remembered that he had said this and they believed the scripture and the word that jesus had spoken now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. Wow. A lot there, man.
0: <laughs> That's a weighty concept. I mean, even, <laughs> I know we're going to get to it later, people, but oh my gosh, that he knows what's in our hearts. Anyway, listen. Some relevant background information you guys should know as you're leading this uh, this conversation is it was a long journey to Jerusalem. Let me tell you, Passover, people were coming from all over to come and yep. engage in what was happening the feast and part of what they did is they were coming to give sacrifices and so oftentimes an animal would die along the long journey to mm-hmm. Jerusalem think Oregon Trail for you <laughs> Millennials out there people who remember Oregon Trail you know oh, I remember dude you're walking down and, and the ox you know falls over and then you know your cousin gets dysentery and Ooh. you have to start over the game Ooh. I never won that game successfully <laughs> anyway they are on their way to Jerusalem and And they have to essentially buy the animals there if they want to ensure that they can make the sacrifices they need to. Here's the problem. The people in Jerusalem that were selling them in the temple itself, which was supposed to be reserved for God and for these different rituals they were supposed to do to engage with God's presence, they were selling it at a premium. I mean, Mm -hmm. the markup on this product was insane. The exchange rate had a markup as well. And so people were profiting on people's Mm -hmm. poverty, okay? And Jesus... One last thought here for background information. He is coming to this at Passover, Mm -hmm. and he is the Passover lamb. Such a cool idea that he's here in the temple, you know, challenging the way they were doing the sacrificial system. And we know that he is the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world In the feast of Passover. They would have a lamb that they would sacrifice that was symbolic for paying for their sins. And Jesus is ultimately that. So really cool stuff happening here. Hopefully that gives you some, uh, some background as you go in for discussion.
1: Totally, totally. I think, too, you see um, in verse 17 there, where it says his disciples remember zeal for your house will consume mm. you. This goes back to Psalm 69. when, yep. And it's just really talking about the passion of Christ here for God's glory. And it, it kind of says something unique about Jesus in this prophetic nature. Jesus in his prophetic role here. Fulfilling Old Testament prophecy but also just operating in this prophetic sense. This is commentators say Jesus in his most clearest role of prophet here where he is um, addressing sin. He mm. is taking action. Yep. He's calling the people out and calling them to repentance and, and uh, declaring the glory of God here in this passage. And you see that in the zeal, the passion that consumes Christ uh, for God's glory. Um, and then I think also kind of the clearing of the temple. We'll talk about it a little bit more later on, but kind of foreshadows this, this idea of just Jesus clearing out human hearts, um, kind of just this sanctification process that happens that Jesus is always continually doing.
0: That's good. So something maybe you could ask your your people as you're in your conversation is, why was Jesus mad about the individual selling goods and exchanging money in the temple? Like, What's the problem there? And of course, it's going to connect to that Psalm 69. If you guys read it on your own, you'll see a rejected man mm. who is faithful to God no matter what Sound familiar? Hmm. Hint, hint, Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so then maybe a follow-up there would be, how does John connect Jesus's actions to the Old Testament Psalm, Psalm 69? And why is that an important aspect of Jesus's character? And hopefully that helps you guys to flesh out just some of who Jesus is and how he works, because that's where John is trying to take us.
1: That's great. That's huge. I think too, there's a great point to note here that Jesus had gone to the temple for 30 years, mm. week in, week out. This isn't Dang. just Jesus <laughs> coming cool. in, upset, angry, just kind of running with that. And I think a lot of times people misapply this passage to kind of justify their own actions in that. Yeah. So I think like moving on with that, like you really see in verse 19, Jesus answering, destroy this temple. I will raise it up again in three days. He's, he's talking about his death and resurrection there. Um, which might kind of seem obvious, but there's this huge theological point there of Jesus is the temple. The temple was always the place where God's presence and glory dwelled. And here we see Jesus saying that he is the temple. This is a reference back to John 1 again. I think we're just going to be repeating John 1 (laughs) all the time that the word has become flesh. God has become flesh revealed in Christ. So God's presence dwells uh, personified in Jesus. Jesus is God. And you see that Jesus saying, I am the temple now. The presence of God is with me, um, which ultimately is going to go out into every human heart. And just even thinking about the, the verse 24, where Jesus says that he would not entrust himself to a man because he knew what was in a man. You see, Jesus is kind of just his all-knowing um, character, on display there that Jesus knows all things, all things, and he knows what's in a human's heart. and He doesn't need the approval of man for what he's doing. Uh, for any of you out there who are recovering people pleasers, as I am myself, <laughs> this is a great verse to just remember where it's like Jesus would not give himself over to other people uh, because he was serving God, not man. He didn't need the approval of man.
0: Right, he didn't have to come out with the big esoteric light show and the big sign that yeah. says, bam, bam, I'm the Messiah. Like He didn't <laughs> need that. And so part of him not entrusting himself, what that means is he's not giving the fullness of who he is to the people yet, because mm. God had a very specific plan about how things were to go about, and Jesus is following it. So a helpful question to ask in verses 23 to 25 might be, what does it mean that Jesus knew what was in man? Yeah. So so again, those guiding questions that we said last week on the podcast of what happened, why here, what does John want us to know, feel, or do? Those questions are going to help you guys navigate. We just threw out some as you walk through the text, but Mm -hmm. what you should be seeing on what happens is a couple simple things. Jesus cleanses the temple, he prophesies his death and resurrection, he demonstrates knowledge of the interior life of all people. That's what's happening there. But then why here? Well, it's really to begin to foreshadow the end more clearly. Like John is setting up exactly where this whole train is headed and then asking, what does John want us to know, do, or feel? I think a lot of that comes back to knowing that Jesus is here to like cleanse our souls. And something I've heard with this text before is people like to apply the whole righteous anger thing. You you guys notice that? Like, okay, Jesus sat down, he braided a whip, that took a little bit of time. He was angry. He was flipping over tables. And I've heard it said, "Oh man, like I just want—I'm having righteous anger, like what Jesus had when he cleared yeah. the temple." L- let me just throw this out here as a point of interest, a point of reflection. Yes, Jesus was righteously angry. I'm not convinced that I'm per- personally capable of truly righteous anger. Mm. Like, if I can be honest, there's way too much sin inside my heart to be yep. perfectly capable of righteous yep. anger. But here's the good news this isn't where John's going with the text. This isn't a WWJD kind of text. This is when WWJD does not apply, okay? (laughs) Like, don't apply this one. Don't, you know, wear your bracelet for this this group meeting because... Don't carry around your whip. No, yeah. We're not braiding whips in life group this week, people. (laughs) You guys wouldn't do that. We know that. But here's what we're trying to say, though. The point of this passage is not on righteous anger. It's actually a lot more about what Jesus does with our souls. So, David, what are you seeing as far as little ideas in the text?
1: I love how you said, like, this shows where this is going, right? This passage is pointing to the end destination, and that end destination is the cross, but it's also the resurrection. Mm. And what the resurrection means is that presence has changed. This this passage, I see so much about presence where the presence isn't in the temple. The presence was with Christ. And now Jesus comes and lives in our hearts. So Jesus is the new temple and now he's making little temples, little Christ to go and be his hands and feet in the world, his presence. And with that, you see the prophetic action of Christ that he's clearing temples. And so Jesus is still clearing temples. Ooh, come on. Um, he's clearing <laughs> temples, he's clearing our hearts, he's sanctifying us to become more like yeah. him he, he he knows our hearts as the passage said and so he's at work there making us more into his image to become more like him i think that is just this huge emphasis that's there he's purifying us bringing us back to, into access to god mm. um, making us to become more like him through this text and gosh has covid not been a time and a place where jesus <laughs> is doing yeah. that clearing our hearts of all the idols and things that we have uh, just served in so many ways and so i think we talked a lot about like in John one of the come and see, and this is a little bit more of a go and die text. Yeah, no uh, kidding. What What do you see in that, Michael?
0: Yeah, I think re- really simply to summarize a lot of what you said is like. Jesus has purified our access to God. That's kind of what he does. He purifies that relationship so that we can have a right relationship with him. And one of the things that we're seeing in this text is it's both the things that we put between us and God and the things that are innately between us and God. So that Mm. first section between us and God is like, the making money, the turning the temple into the marketplace. like That's people trying to put up a barrier for mm-hmm. others to in, interact with God and the presence of God. And then the other element at the end there that you guys see in 23 and 25 is Jesus knows what's in our hearts that's getting yeah. between us and God. So Jesus, as the great temple cleanser, mm-hmm. is coming in to make way for us to have purified access in the unhindered presence of of God. And so, something even as I try to think of, how could I apply a text like this? Because we all know we're not braiding whips, all right? That's not what we're called. We're not going to go and tell someone, hey, you're missing it. That's I'm flipping the over tables in your life. Like, that's not where it's going. Where it's going is, dude, Jesus may need to cleanse your temple. Like, Jesus may need to cleanse my temple. Yeah. And so, what I would ask is, what's something in your life that's been getting in the way of mm-hmm. time with Jesus? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, Dave, what's, what's that for you? Is there anything you can think of? Yeah,
1: I love that question. I would even say, what's been getting in the way of your love of mm, Jesus? And that's, that's where I think, I think about this of like, gosh, what's just the idols that Jesus needs to continue to clear out? And like... This begins with honesty. This begins, again, with desperate dependence on Christ of like, gosh, I'm broken, I'm weak, I'm a sinner. But in that, Jesus invites you further into his love. And so that's not something to run from. That's something to be honest about. So as I start looking at my heart and just seeing those idols of just every day, I think there's there's idols of uh, greed, of selfishness, of people pleasing, worrying about what other people think more than what God thinks. Um, and, and, and some of those, I think, like, even particularly for me, as, as we've transitioned communities, I feel a lot of that come back up in my own heart, right? Like, once you're kind of out of your comfort zone again, you see, what do I rely on? And there's been this kind of push and pull, this, I can see these two paths before me, like, gosh, today, am I going to rely on Christ? Am I going to walk with him? Or am I going to serve these idols that are in my heart? And so I think that's the things that Jesus wants to continue to clear out is like, David, don't, don't rely on your own, uh, kind of selfishness, your own ability, your own pride, your own gifting to get through today. Rely on me. Um, and those are just some of the idols I think that are there that feels like Jesus is continuing to clear out in me. What, what about for you, man?
0: Yeah. As I, as I reflect on that question, um, I think an idol that's been in my heart lately is, uh, wanting to be like strong, mm. like uh, wanting to, to, to like have it together. And even just a couple days ago, I was sitting down uh, with a group of people and, and we were praying and, um, God just brought something to mind while I was praying. And I just like spat out this story of somebody who I just really loved and cared for who, um, had overdosed. And I started sharing that story while I was praying, just praying to God, like, offering it up to him, and I started crying in the meeting, and I'm like, I I hate crying. Yeah. I hate emotions, all right? I don't like that kind of stuff. Um, ask my wife, all right? I'm not a big <laughs> fan of my own emotions, but in that moment, um, I felt like God wanted me to keep being vulnerable, yeah. and so I kept praying. I, I, I stayed in it, and then at the end, um, someone came up to me and was like, hey, man, can you tell me a little bit about that story? And I was like, gave him the most surface level... <laughs> explanation I could Mm -hmm. because I didn't want to go there. Like I didn't I didn't want to cry again, you know? Um, but as I reflect on that, I'm realizing, wow, was I putting up an idol in my heart of appearing strong or appearing appearing like I have it all together and not being willing to be vulnerable with this guy. And so that's something for me that that I've just been reflecting on and wanting to grow in is just, hey Maybe there's an idol of needing to appear strong that I need to let Jesus knock down, hit with a whip, flip over a table for. Um, And so, hey, we're sharing, right? You're hearing us on the podcast sharing what we're feeling. I'd encourage you guys to do that in your group. And then a great thing to do maybe as you close your group time would be to throw out the question of how can we keep each other accountable as a group to seeking that unhindered presence of God in our lives. Maybe this is a good week to break into twos and fours. Get together with, like, you know, same gender in, or whatever, and go break apart and pray and be accountable to one another for the idols that maybe God wants to tear down in your heart. And, and just seek for ways to encourage each other during the week. Shooting off a text, hey. Stacy, how's it going with the whole trying to pretend to be strong thing? How you doing? Like You know, and seek to have that kind of uh, accountability in your group because that's where where the good stuff of OST is going to happen.
1: Dude, such good stuff, man. Hey, always thanks for listening and thanks for spending your time with us. Our promise to you is that we're always going to do our best to make this time really valuable for you for the leader. If this has helped you out in any way, let us know.
0: Yeah, whether you are at the gym your mom with the lawn, driving, or whatever you like to do while you listen to the podcast, we hope that you feel equipped, encouraged, and ready to walk through the text with your group this week.
1: As always, do your own prep. Uh, rely on the Spirit as He leads you. Know that His presence <laughs> resides in your heart um, as you go into your group, your family, your pray watch communities, wherever God invites you to go and be the living proof.
0: We love you guys, and we'll catch you next time on The Text Lab.